I've titled the talk um, Wisdom for the Times. You know, different people have responded differently to these difficult times. But the most prevalent thing, the most common thing amidst everyone, no matter what you believe, was really cursing 2020. Oh gosh, what a year. I believe each of us have done at least once. What a year. And the number of memes and jokes on 2020 is crazy. I'm sure all of us have done it. But what a, what, a, uh, what a pointless thing to do is 2020 is not the cause for it. 2020 is the year that this happened, but we all do it. Today, we're going to look at a passage from the Bible to gain some wisdom uh, to respond to these times that we're living in. Um, we're, we're going to be looking at a psalm. It is Psalm 90. Uh, it, psalm is a book in the Old Testament. It's, it's 150 uh, amazing songs and poems uh, written by various artists, uh, various, uh, uh, various followers of Jesus in the Bible, various songwriters and uh, artists in one sense. Uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 90. It's the oldest psalm recorded in the Bible. Uh, it was written by Moses. Uh, for all of us who thought Moses wasn't a songwriter, he was a songwriter. Uh, the biblical scholars place this chronologically during the time that they were probably in the desert. Uh, when uh, this comes right after they are walking to this promised land and they, they reject this promised land because they're too afraid to go and take possession of it. They say no, and they disobey God. And God, and they end up wandering about 40 years in the desert. Now God tells them, God tells Moses, because you have sinned and all your generation have sinned, none of you will enter the promised land. You're all going to end up dying in the desert. The next generation is going to go. Now, it is a pretty hopeless and difficult time. And Moses writes this psalm during this time. Probably death is slowly taking over. Every, everyone around him is dying. Now, we might not be staring at death in the face personally, but we have lost so many lives. People around us are dying. Uh, just not COVID deaths. Uh, we've, we've seen deaths of people we uh, look up to and admire and they, they passed away not because of just COVID. Um, we're living in difficult times which actually are not showing a sign of improvement. Day by day, the health condition is worsening. Uh, the, the, the political condition nationally and globally is getting tense. Economically, the world is struggling and, and not showing a clear sign of improvement. There's so much of abuse of justice that's been happening in the past few days. We're staring at a huge mental health crisis. We probably already entered it. In a time like this, what do we learn from Moses' song, which is actually a prayer? I'll, I'll uh, request Sharon to share the screen. And I've requested Nita to read um, this, this prayer, this song for us. Um, Nita, if you could read this. Can everyone hear me okay? Yes, Nita, we can hear you. I can hear you clearly. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. You turned people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are a day that just, that's just gone by. 
or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are the new grass. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by by your anger and terrified by your shame. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away un, under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. only we knew the power of your anger your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom relent lord how long will it be have compassion on your servants satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days amen thank you neeta uh, allow me to just pray before we start father we recognize the times that we are in uh, but we also recognize the lord we worship um we are here so that our souls can be satisfied in you uh, we are here uh, so that you uh, take our sorrow and replace them with joy and fill our days with gladness not apart from these troubles but amidst these times uh, speak to us uh, speak to us lord we are here to listen to you in your name we pray jesus amen amen um the three things that i'm going to be taking uh, from this passage is three questions the first thing is who do we trust the second thing is what do we learn the third thing is how do we respond who do we trust what do we learn and how do we respond let's dive straight in um who do we trust Moses is leading this nation which just spent 400 years in Egyptian slavery and is in the middle or at the end of a 40 years of wandering in the desert with no permanent place of their own and he looks to God and he says Lord you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations he says this even as he sees nothing good on the horizon for his days on earth now this season has taught us to trust god in a way that we haven't uh, uh, before we it, it has taught us to see that trust in anything else is sort of futile it has shaken those things it has shaken our world now let me ask us what are we really trusting god for what are we really trusting god for if we have to be really honest we're trusting god to change this situation right we're we're trusting him for a better time when all of this is over that's the ring phase uh, when we make plans we say when all of this is over we're we're trusting him for a better world economically health wise politically judicially uh, in in every way possible now he can do all of this 
but if this is all we are trusting him for and he chooses to do otherwise because he's actually accomplishing a bigger purpose where all of this is actually going to work for our good in the end but right now things are not going to change and all our trust is for him to change the situation right now we're going to be shattered our hopes are suddenly 2020 strikes 12 midnight even everything within one snap of a finger changes and everything goes back to normal and everything is is good isn't that what we are hoping for if that doesn't happen and if 2021 actually brings harder problems we're going to be crushed and friends jesus helps us set our expectations when he clearly says in this world you will have trouble he himself was called man of sorrows you know the new testament is filled more with lessons of how to face difficult and challenging times and that is why this song is teaching us to trust in jesus as a dwelling place because if we see the context moses knows that his end is in the desert not the promised land things are not going to change for his generation uh, therefore for all the remaining time he's worshiping god as his dwelling place where he can remain where he can abide and inhabit amidst the painful reality of life i know that it seems like everything around us is 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 not for us and is against us but allow me to help us put our trust in a god who makes all things yes our sickness our 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 job loss our pay cuts our our sorrows literally everything work for the good of those who love him you know the last uh two weeks uh, taru has introduced me to the world of harry potter uh, i won't say i'm a potter head but i truly enjoyed all the movies we watched all the eight movies and if you aren't aware of this world it's a story about a magic world where dumbledore the greatest wizard of all time devises a plan to end voldemort the dark lord once and for all and harry potter is dumbledore's student Now as a part of the plan Dumbledore plans his own murder and in the 6th movie he actually dies. Then he leaves many clues with Harry after his death so that he can go and establish and finish the plan. Now after Dumbledore's death Harry starts to doubt Dumbledore and and his plan and everything because everything around him seems like it's working against him everything is people are dying his his own teammates are dying. and harry finds it really hard to trust dumbledore that's when lupin another character tells harry it all comes down to one thing it comes down to whether or not you trust dumbledore's judgment now this time is probably calling for a trust like this while harry's harry's trust in dumbledore might seem like more of a blind trust we have to trust in a lord whose judgment is perfect in the lord who actually came and and in his own judgment decided that he won't punish sinners but he himself would come down and take sin upon himself and die for sinners 
Our trust is in a God who says, I will come back as a groom and I will take you to a world which is much more perfect, which is, which is absolutely sinless. And, and all that you are hoping for is in that world. Our trust is in this God. Now, I know that everything around us is seeming like it's working against us. But the question is whether or not we trust a savior's judgment who died for us. And actually see that no matter what sorrow you're facing, no matter what trial you are facing, it is actually going to work for our good. And this is trusting in Jesus as a dwelling place. Even though things around me don't change, that beautiful prayer we prayed last week from Habakkuk, even if the fig tree doesn't bud, I'm still going to worship. Because friends, what our hearts are hoping for when we say when all of this is over is actually not an unrealistic hope. What our hearts are hoping for when we say when all of this is over is actually leading to a perfect world, which is a reality for those of us who believe in Jesus, a world where there will be no more sickness, when there'll be no more pain, no more death, no more racism, no more casteism, where our women will be treated with honor. This is not a fairy tale ending, friends. This is a reality for those of us who believe. This is a promise for the other side of eternity, not on this side of death. If we know this to be true, then why are we longing for these things in this present world? I know God is restoring, but then why are we being dissatisfied when we see anything short of perfect in this world? What do we learn What is Moses trying to teach us in this? And what is God trying to teach us in this? Moses is teaching us a really important lesson that this human life is really short. He's doing that all through this psalm. He's comparing it with the grass that comes in the morning and dies in the night. Now, irrespective of what we believe in, whether we are followers of Jesus or not, we all know that life is short, don't we? There's so many songs. Everyone says life is short. Someone says life is short. Eat dessert first. We know that life is short. Though we intellectually know, we functionally believe and live like it is long enough to fulfill all our dreams and aspirations and be totally satisfied in this world. That is why all our hopes and dreams are mostly limited to this world. We functionally don't believe that life is really that short. We believe it's long enough so that we can, we can achieve everything that we want to and be totally satisfied. This year has magnified and reiterated the, 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 the temporary nature of everything. Our jobs, our security in our finances, our dreams and careers and our very life itself. It is so temporary. What this psalm is helping us to see is this. It's giving us a reality check. It is telling life is shorter than we think it is. The human life on this earth is shorter than we think it is. Moses is actually using a very famous arithmetic throughout the Bible where he says a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. 
Now, if we are we are created for eternity and we are eternal beings, while this might be a poetic expression where he says a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, this will help us give a fair idea of how short a human life is with eternity in perspective. Now, if thousand of our years, let me break it down for us. If if thousand of our years are like one day to God, then a person who lives 80 years, that's what the Psalm says as life expectancy. And that's what our present life expectancy is anywhere between 70 or at best 80. If a person dies at the age of 80, he's only lived 8% of one God day. That's less than two hours in 24 hour day. Now, even if you're not a Christian who believes in eternal life, uh, some scientists say that the universe is about 13.8 billion years old. Now, if we condense that into a 24-hour day, you and I will come into existence only in the last second. This is really short, shorter, much, much shorter than we think it is. Hey, this is not meant to leave us with a morbid, depressive feeling. It's, it's far from that. Now, now, Moses is starting to see this retrospectively, probably as he sees his generation passing away and wasting, that, uh, wasting away their time in the desert because of that disobedience and in rejection of God's promise. Maybe we are here this morning looking back filled with regret of all the time we wasted messing up. Probably this reality that life is really short is dawning upon us and is hitting us. With this realization, Moses is asking God to teach a really important lesson. Now, if you forget everything else in this talk, remember there's just one verse. Moses in verse 12 is telling God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, why is that so important? Because the realization the life is short itself is not helpful. It can evoke two equal and opposite foolish responses from us. The first foolish response, the first foolish way in which we can respond is go in an overdrive mode. And probably we are seeing a glimpse of that in our workplaces. We have seen how 2020 has been wasted and we are going in an overdrive mode to try and recover all that is lost and not waste a single minute. Probably our hearts are responding this way, even in our personal lives. We've lost so much in 2020. Now I've got to work something and recover all that is lost. This is going to leave us striving all the time. We're going to be exhausted. It will kill us. The second foolish way we can respond is, Hey, life is short. (laughs) So I'm going to ignore all this negativity. I'm just going to dwell on positivity, dwell on good things. Uh, Just take a chill pill and and come take life as it comes. Now, Abhishek Ratna, a, a Harvard Business Review Council member from India, he published a book called Small Wins, Big Success, a handbook for exemplary success in the post COVID 19 outbreak era. He writes, understand that life is short and precious. 
engage in activities that shift your attention to positivity and something opposite to your burdens rejuvenate yourself and start your pursuit with full vigor every day how many of us haven't tried this we have tried this i know i have tried it and i have failed paul a follower of jesus actually identifies the real problem here and he says in one of his books in romans he says for i do not do the good i want to do all of us want to do good he says i do not do the good i want to do but the evil i do not want to do this i keep on doing now if i do what i do not want to do it is no longer i who do it it is the sin living in me that does it friends the negativity that we are so trying to avoid in the world is present and living inside of us it's our sinfulness and there is no escaping from it we on our own cannot escape so this is also a foolish way to respond practically it's impossible to ignore all the negativity and go ahead with just the positivity what then is the right way to respond to this realization that life is short how do we respond the answer is in the two verses between which this this request that moses makes uh, where he says teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom there are two verses that sandwich this verse verse 11 verse 13 and 14 if you can see that in your bibles we see that the answer is found in these two verses in the 11th verse he says lord if only we knew the power of your anger if only we knew your your just wrath we would have behaved better we wouldn't have probably wasted our days disobeying but we know from reading on in israel's history that time and again even though god time and again reveals himself as holy they go on sinning they own this only goes on to show that just a knowledge of god's holiness doesn't enable us to obey so moses goes on to pray in the verse that is below the request he says relent lord how long will it be now this is probably a heart cry this morning relent lord how long will it be have compassion on your servants satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days after having failed and realized uh, their own sinfulness he looks to god who made a covenant with them to love them and he asks him would you relent we can gain a heart of wisdom only when we see the two things together god's holiness in which he administers perfect justice and his unfailing love in which he covers all our feeling looking at only one uh one of these ways will lead us to respond in those two foolish ways if we look at just god's holiness in which he administers perfect justice we will try and strive and work our best to achieve his holy standard and we will realize that we will fail time and again and that will crush us if we see only his unfailing love 
in which he forgives even the worst of our sins and not his holiness, we will use it as a license to take that chill pill, do whatever our heart pleases, even though that means disaster for us and people around us. We need to look at both of them together. And there was a time in history when we had a visual demonstration of the spiritual reality where on the cross that Jesus died, where he chose to take our own foolish and sinful ways upon himself. And he, and he died a very visible, excruciating, painful death where he swallowed God's just and holy wrath upon himself. That's where God's justice, his holy justice and his unfailing love met. Now, because the wrath of God was satisfied, God can now satisfy us with his unfailing love every morning. This is the good news of the gospel. Here's the thing. The only wise way to live this short life is to live all our life, every aspect of it, the, our careers, our family, our dreams, every aspect of it as a response to this gospel. That is the only wise way to live this short life. If we live our life as a response to the gospel, we will, we will not strive in futility because we know that all the good that we ever needed to do, Jesus has done it for us. And there is nothing that we do or don't do that will change the truth of eternity. Jesus' good deeds are given to us as a gift. We will also not live a life of purposelessness and uselessness because we just got this gift. Because Jesus actually paid for this with his own life. With his perfect life, God was broken for you and me. How can we just while away and waste our time? It gives us an eternal purpose. What does this practically look like? What does living our life as a response to this gospel practically look like? I'm sure all of us have earned reward points. We have made purchases with them. We have probably bought flight tickets with them. The joy of enjoying these reward points and buying stuff with them is something else, right? You know, we have, it's not our money. I mean, whatever the promotional thing is, it's not our own money. It's, it's gifted to us. Imagine this. The gospel tells me Jesus with his perfect life has, all, has earned all the reward points that I need for this life. He freely gave it to me by dying on the cross. I do not need to earn them, but I live off them. I do not need to strive and build an identity because I live out the identity that Jesus gives me. I do not need to earn love and acceptance because I enjoy the love and acceptance that Jesus earned for me. I do not need to prove that I'm good enough because in myself I'm not. If I try, if I try and try, I will, I, will, I will disappoint myself and people around me. I do not need to prove I'm good enough because Jesus is and I'm living out the goodness that he has given me. I am merely responding. I am not trying to earn. There is a joy that comes from living life this way. 
we do not need to strive and burn out to earn this but we also need do not waste it because jesus paid for it with his own life friends my question is how are we responding to these times are we are we uh, striving to recover all that is lost or are we merely resting in this work and actually responding to this gospel to this good news that even though all of this seems out of control it is still in the control of my god who died for me am i responding in a way that i need to prove i'm good enough because i don't need to jesus is and he's given his goodness the invitation this morning is to not respond to our situations respond to the gospel in these situations if you're not yet a follower of jesus if you're being crushed by the weight of all these expectations that you yourself have upon yourself and people around you have and and uh this season has made it even more difficult would you like to respond to this love would you like to respond to this to this savior who says hey i've covered all your guilt and shame i died for it i've covered for all your flaws here's my goodness take it and live off it as followers of jesus how can we respond to the gospel today how can we respond to the gospel today one very practical thing was how rosh responded in prayer we saw that she explained how she was struggling with shame and she didn't let that shame in in fact in in that shameful moment she responded to the gospel she saw jesus dying for us on the cross how can i respond what is one practical thing that i can do today to respond to this love to this gospel trust me friends that is the only wise way to live in this short life in a way that will be filled with joy and and not striving and sorrow only jesus can give us that allow me to just pray and close and then i'll hand it over to anand jesus lord we we do not want to strive lord we do not want to give hope these are two uh, if we do not want to give up hope these are two foolish ways in which we can respond during this time but instead we want to respond to you and the gospel we want to respond to every situation looking at it through the lens of the gospel lord even as we go back 
to our workplaces there is a need to prove ourselves there is a need to cover up for all the losses and 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 work overtime and strive would you free us of that striving this morning would you free us of that striving lord even in our personal lives we have lost uh, we are probably are experiencing pay cuts we have, we've probably lost our jobs there is a striving uh, to to prove ourselves good enough to earn these pays back lord would you free us from this striving and and would you help us respond with with this love would you help us respond to the gospel in this time would you satisfy us with your unfailing love would you satisfy us and fill us with the joy replace these sorrows and fill us with joy even through these times thank you jesus we worship you in your name we pray amen